Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 955 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, May the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure that you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a great place to go if uh, you want your teams covered with a local spin. Everyone is so like deeply entrenched in their teams. You're really not going to get better coverage on all of the teams you care about that are going through the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, baseball season. If you want to go listen to Locked On Blue Jays about Alec Manoa, who came in in his first career big league start and destroyed the Yankees, go listen to Locked On Blue Jays. I highly recommend. AJ Andrews is doing a great job. Lots of great Alec Manoa and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. propaganda going on over there. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week. I believe actually today, this afternoon, Katie and I are going to jump on. We're going to have a good time with it. And uh, we're going to chat about the Raptors a little bit. So download the app, join in, follow me, and we'll get you in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Uh, All right. On today's show, we continue our uh, extended series here that's probably going to run a few weeks long where we're reviewing the season from hell top to bottom going into each player we'll talk about nick nurse we'll talk about the front office at some point as well but the players will be the big crux of this and i'm just bringing on all of the wonderful guests you know and love from this show to talk about the players that each of them wants to talk about and there may be no bigger supporter believer in the player we are going to talk about today than today's guest Our guest today is uh, from Basketball News, from Dishes and Dimes, from the Toronto Star, also a purveyor of fine teas. It is Yasmin Diwala. Yasmin, how's it going? I'm well, I'm well. I'm always down to talk Gary Trent Jr. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Gary Trent Jr. is the topic of today's conversation. Uh, And we'll sort of do the same outline that we've done with the previous episodes on Fred and OG. We'll go with our sort of biggest takeaways from the season off the top uh, and sort of what we're thinking about now that we're a couple weeks removed from watching Gary Trent Jr. play basketball. We'll dive into some developmental things, things he did well this year, things he can work on going into next season. And then, of course, there's a contract to talk about with Gary Trent, which will probably occupy most of the final segment of the show. But let's start where we start all these episodes. Yasmin, what was your biggest takeaway from the 17 games that Gary Trent Jr. played with the Raptors to close the season? Um, He's like ready to shoot all the time. <laughs> I was, that was like the one thing I was worried about with the absence of Norman Powell. Like um, we're losing a guy who's just this dead-eyed shooter. Um, and it's really cool to see um, that Gary Trent Jr. has like that same energy with his willingness to um launch like if he has his ball it's probably going up he's not passing it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah he very much has a gunner's spirit um and you need to have that on a team I, i i like when there is a gunner kicking around somewhere and so i'm glad gary trent is part of the conversation obviously 
he didn't replicate the hilarious efficiency of Norman Powell, where he was at like a 64 true shooting for the season. Yeah. Uh, Gary Trent shot 50.1 true shooting for the Raptors down the stretch of the year. Not very good. Um, you know, had the wonderful start, was just burying everything out of the gates, had a career high, hit 30 a couple times, hit 40 once. Uh, he, I believe, is the holder of the eighth highest scoring game in Raptors history as it stands through 17 games played in his career. I had the game winner, of course, against the Wizards, which was a delight. But then things kind of tailed off. He, you know, was moved to the bench for a couple of games. But even before that, the efficiency was kind of waning a little bit. And I think the overall sort of picture from 17 games leaves me with my big takeaway being I have no idea what my takeaway is about Gary Trent Jr. I don't know what he is as a player and I don't know where he slots in next season. And that's part of the fun, but also it's kind of maddening as you try to go forward and plan things and think about what you're going to pay him. He is someone who kind of gives you a lot of good with a lot of bad and trying to sort through what's meaningful, what's going to go away with age and experience. It's tough. You know, I think he's obviously a quite a gifted scorer and has a knack for shooting, has a knack for pull-ups. He's got the mid range game that he's kind of cultivated as well. But he's not much of a guy getting to the rim. He doesn't quite have that burst. He definitely doesn't have like the Norm Powell burst, for example. And he kind of came in touted as a good defender. And I don't think we really saw that. But it's all kind of muddied by the fact that we don't know what the hell we were watching in the last part of the season. They were throwing out random lineups and, you know, exactly. who's guessing who was going to start and, you know, running up their total of number of starting lineups almost as like a, a form of sport <laughs> over the course of the backstretch of the season. Like, do you have an inkling, Yasmin, of what type of player Gary Trent is going to be? Because I just find myself very confused and distracted by all of the noise that's part of this 17 game sample. Um, yeah, he's, I feel like we, we shouldn't overthink it. I feel like the flashes he's shown, uh, considering his age, um, he's a guy with a lot of skill. And I feel that if there's two things that the Raptors focus on, um, having him like hone in on would be his shooting and his defense. Like, cause I think that there's potential in both. I think mm-hmm. that he can get kind of, um, he can show those youthful mistakes with how he gambles for this, for this, uh, those, you know, passing lane steals and whatnot and gets out of place. But I see a lot of potential with his team defense and, um, as a shooter, like he, he can shoot, um, no matter the degree of contention, like it, it doesn't, or how much is being contended, um, his shot is being contended. So, um, I think that uh, we shouldn't overthink it considering like the um, uncertainty of the last, you know, the latter, what quarter of the season. Yeah. Um, obviously he's, his, his play is going to be super inconsistent considering how inconsistent the team was. So um, when you put all of these things together, I think he's a young guy with a lot of potential to be, you know, just this pure um, scoring shooting guard. Um, and I feel like that the Raptors do need that with the absence of um, Norman Powell. And, you know, with the trade, with trading Norman Powell, I know like sentimentally, like you're losing a lot with that guy, um, seeing mm-hmm. his growth and development, like Gary Trent, he was a second rounder um, and seeing a second rounder become such a polished um, and efficient player is always super rewarding. Um but considering that I think I was happy with that trade. I felt like that the Raptors won that trade um, and that, you know, Gary Trent has a bright future. Like when you, when you um, see what he's done so far, I feel like it's not 
fluky. I, I see a lot of, I see the uh, form of his shooting. It looks supernatural. It's very um, seamless. Um, and I, I just see the potential with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's totally fair. And I think, you know, the last month and a half of the season, basically the entire time he was on the team, I kind of liken it to when you're watching a baseball season and like September call-ups happen. And for most teams, unless they're in like a playoff race, September really doesn't matter. And you can't really believe anything you see in September. Some kid might come in, you know, fresh and hot playing against like maybe not awesome competition and tears it up for a month. And then you never hear from them again, or they never become that player. And it's just, it's so noisy. There's so many different factors at play. I think that's exactly what happened with the Raptors. And I'm having a hard time pulling much from the last month and a half, even though there's plenty of stuff where it's like, oh, OG was doing some stuff and he was kind of upping his usage and that feels real. But where do you delineate what's real and what's noise? Um, and it is the thing I keep coming back to with Trent is while I think right now he's maybe one of the more one dimensional players I've ever seen. He's also 22 years old and is the youngest player on the roster. <laughs> and that has to be accounted for. Yes, he's got the couple years of experience, but he is still a baby and is still early in that developmental track. And think about where Norman Powell was back at that age and how long it took him to kind of find consistency and find a role and really kind of flesh out his overall game. I would imagine we'll see a similar sort of trajectory here with Gary Trent, especially once he gets a summer in the Raptors development system, he gets to work with their coaches. And, um, we, you know, we start to see them put the team's imprint on him a little bit. So that's, I think, a pretty good place to leave the sort of look at what the season was for him. I want to dive into the question of where he fits and what how he sort of dictates what the Raptors offensive uh, offseason plan should be, because I think there's a lot of interesting factors here. So we're going to dive into that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh in your body, whether you're an athlete or someone like me who is very much not an athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun can help. And I can tell you this because I have a Theragun, and I'm a person who recently started to exercise after languishing on the couch for months at a time. Uh, and I got to tell you, it's really helping. I went for a 45-kilometer bike ride yesterday. I used the Theragun at night, and my legs feel wonderful this morning. I should be in, like, traction. I should be in crippling pain, but I'm not because the Theragun is really really handy for helping you relieve that deep muscle tension with a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat muscle, muscle tension from working out or in, or an injury or just the stresses of daily life, Every there are no, there's no substitute that is for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen is designed to make, to make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. That is awesome. Try the Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N right now and get Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Yasmin, let's continue to dive into Gary Trent Jr. I guess the question that I have kind of on my mind is where do the Raptors slot him next season? I think there's kind of two schools of thought. One is, you know, if Kyle Lowry ends up leaving, which, you know, I have no idea. We don't really seem to have any clue what's going on there. Uh, but if Kyle Lowry does end up leaving, 
there's going to be obviously a backcourt spot open that you would assume Gary Trent could in theory just kind of hop into, offer some scoring punch to a lineup that can struggle in the half court and maybe offer some good team defense. That's And if he does have deficiencies, they're covered up by Fred, Pascal, OG, and X center, whoever they bring in. That's one idea. The other idea is that whether Kyle Lowry leaves or not, Gary Trent is more of a bench scoring, kind of take advantage of bad lineups, work with the second unit, offer some scoring punch there, work in concert with Malachi Flynn, Chris Boucher, whatever it might be. And you kind of have a ready-made second unit that can hang and keep you in games and score in a way that Raptors second units in the last couple of years have just decidedly not done. They've done the thing where they try to win their six minute stretches four to two, as opposed to 15 to 10. And that's certainly a strategy, but Gary Trent feels like he could be a guy to offer some offense to those second units. And maybe you just kind of pencil him as a, as a bench guy. And that kind of covers up for some of the one dimensionality he brings. Yasmin, I ask you, where would you like to see Gary Trent slot into the lineup next season, assuming, you know, whatever you want to assume about Kyle Lowry? Um, Ideally, he comes into that six-man role because that means Lowry stays. (laughs) So it's the preferable scenario. But um, I, I, I honestly think that he can provide that offensive punch with the second unit. I I think that's his ideal role Um, as his development process goes through um and we've seen raptors players develop um from the bench so it's not like he's being banished and you know um i I think that when they present him with his contract situation this offseason um they'll be able to show him um a history of developing players from the bench so um i think that's ideally where i see him performing i feel like that the inconsistent play we've seen with the latter part of the season has been because he's been a bit overexposed and that can actually set back development for a lot of players. So um, I think that having him off the bench, create some chemistry with Boucher and Malachi can be really special. I don't see how that can mimic the the punch of the last um, of the prior uh, Raptors second units. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I'm on the side of I'd like to see him come off the bench regardless as well. Um, And just kind of looking at the way the draft is kind of shaking out, you know, I think I kind of think that regardless of if Kyle's back or not, because I think my top target, my ideal sort of scenario is the Raptors land some sort of scoring two guard who can slot in, you know, maybe not as a starter right away as a rookie. But if you're taking them in the lottery eighth overall, why the hell not just give them a shot? Like the, the dudes I'm looking at, I mean, if they jump up, Cade Cunningham is obviously an obvious fit. So is Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. Those guys can play next to Fred very easily and are not sort of continuing the run of only having six footers occupy your backcourt. Um, and if they pick it seventh, eighth, then, you know, Keon Johnson's there. And, you know, I know Davion Mitchell is being mocked to the Raptors a lot, as much as I don't want that. He's being mocked there a lot. Josh Giddy could potentially be a guy there. Moses Moody could potentially be your two guard, even though he's less of a scorer. Jaden Springer, there's lots of guys kind of in that vein who I think maybe profile as starters long term more so than Gary Trent does. And if you have Flynn, Trent, Boucher, Birch kind of form the backbone of your second unit, I think you're cooking. I think that could be a really nice second unit. I think you can kind of mix defense with offense. You know, you you sub in, you know, an OG or a Pascal or whoever you want from the starting five to fill in that fifth spot in that lineup. And I think you're really looking at a strong second unit where you're not giving minutes away the way the Raptors have at times in the last couple of years. And so, yeah, I think off the bench is kind of where I'm at. And really, like... <laughs> 
I'm about to do something that you shouldn't do this year. I'm about to look at lineup data uh, <laughs> because it's just, it's not useful at all. There, there's yeah. no consistency to it. There's no rhyme or reason to any of the lineups the Raptors played this year, but just as a like small a sample, amount? what's that? Sorry. Yeah. A record it was an, amount of lineup variations. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. And like, I think their most used lineup played like 200 minutes. Like there's just, there's nothing to really pull from it, but if we're going small sample size theater, to kind of help amplify a point. And, uh, you know, again, this could be entirely off base, but Gary Trent seems to maybe thrive when he is higher up in the, in the pecking order in a lineup, just looking at the, the four man lineup data from this past season, when Gary Trent shared the floor with Siakam, Van Vliet, and Ananobi, which seven games, <laughs> 108 minutes, it's nothing. The Raptors had a minus 4.4 net rating. When he shared the floor with Malachi Flynn and Chris Boucher, who you'd figure are the big guys he's going to share time with if he plays off the bench, right? He had uh, the team had a plus nine point five net rating, a one point four one fourteen point nine offensive, one hundred five point four defensive, one hundred and sixty eight minutes. Again, tiny samples probably means exactly nothing, but maybe now, I'll choose to, to the believe idea. that one because it support it supports yeah. my narrative. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we do with stats. That's what stats are all about is just exactly. backing up what you want to believe. Um, <laughs> but I do think there's something to it. You know, Gary Trent feels like he's more at home when he can just fire away and feel free to do so. It seems like you're almost wasting him a little bit if he's going to stand in the corner and be your fifth option because, you know, he's not giving you a ton in terms of, you know, tertiary playmaking. He's not giving you a ton in terms of team defense right now. So if you can kind of let him loose against second units with Flynn and Boucher and a pretty good infrastructure of reserves to play with, I think you're probably on track to get the most out of him and get those big scoring nights that you might not get if he's sharing the floor with Fred, Fred, OG and Siakam, where he's very clearly below them in the pecking order. That's not even to say anything about who they end up getting to fill that fifth spot. So what say you to that idea, Yasmin, just him being more comfortable and at home with those second unit guys. And how much do you believe those extremely small sample, hard to believe numbers? Yeah, you know, I believe them a hundred percent. Yeah. But that's the ideal scenario because it's the best of both worlds with the second unit. He'll get that high usage that I think a player like him needs to thrive but also he won't be overexposed. Um, he won't be dealing with starters in opposing teams or um, with primary units of the opposing team, you know, typically. Um, so I think that, yeah, that'll be the ideal scenario for him to gradually just improve from a developmental standpoint, um, which is what the Raptors tend to do. Like they don't really like, especially with the last couple of years, they try to avoid overexposing uh, players that are kind of percolating, you know, in the developmental stage, they try to, mm-hmm. um, because they, th- that has a, the chance of setting them back. And um, I feel like that kind of um, damage to like their confidence is kind of hard to repair. And with the Gary Trent Jr., I feel like so much of what he does is being such a willing dead-eyed shooter. So um, <laughs> if you make him hesitant or reluctant or second guess himself, that can probably present some issues because it's one of his more redeeming traits. So um, I think that having him um, with high usage in that second unit, kind of free to do what he wants, try new things that he's been practicing over the off season um, would be the best scenario for him. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Uh, in terms of skills that you think Gary Trent like needs to prioritize, obviously, like I said, I think he's a pretty one-dimensional guy right now, and there's lots of things to work on. But as far as next season goes, 
What's the single thing you'd most like to see him come back with a bit of an, imp- an improvement in? You know, it could be defense, could be offense, could be anything. Uh, what are you kind of keying in on his skills to watch as he continues his development track? Um, I think it would be there's a couple things I feel like he could improve ever so slightly on, but I think that the one thing that he should probably focus on for the off season is getting to the rim. Um, because he's not, he's not incredibly, um, uh, athletic. He's, he's pretty athletic, but he's not incredibly athletic. So I think practicing how to get that first step onto on defenders, how to get to the rim, how to get some lift around the rim, um, could really help him because he's, he's big for his position, um, I think that he's a little taller than um, Norman Powell. I feel like they could, the Raptors can help him utilize that strength and that size that he has. And it can be like a really good, a huge game changer for him if he can become a threat towards the rim as well as a threat from the perimeter and the mid range. Because then the Raptors would have like a three level score right there. Um, and I think it's possible. I think he has more to work with than, you know, what we're asking of, uh, you know, a six foot player like Fred Van Vliet to do as a finisher. I feel like it's fr- probably more realistic for, um, uh, Gary Trent to attain something like that. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. Um, you know, it feels like he should just like watch Kyle Lowry, especially like Kyle Lowry against the Celtics last year, just like moving people with his ass. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Kyle's not exactly the most explosive or athletic guy in the world, but he finds exactly. ways to carve out space. And with Trent being six foot five and being kind of a thick dude, it feels like maybe that's a sort of you know, a way for with. him to find some comfort around the basket. Cause I mean, the mid range is certainly a helpful thing and it's a nice little tool he has, even if he goes to it a little bit too often, if he can kind of diversify a little bit and make that threat of a mid range, something that allows him to work on that drive game to get all the way to the basket. I think that's a, a really good call by you. Um, I'd also like to just see him get in the gym with his big man father and just practice pocket passes all summer long. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he's going to be like the second option in the bench unit, then there will be some times where he has to run the offense and get, let Malachi Flynn hang out off ball and do his smart right. cutting thing. And if he can just sort of do rudimentary stuff in the pick and roll, I think that would go a long way. Um, you know, just learning to pass to somebody, maybe the yeah. comfort of playing with his father outs. opens up. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to always shoot. Like, I feel like he sure. always shoots the ball. Like he can, the people are, he has a reputation as a great shooter, so he can always attack those closeouts and kick out to the open guy when he's rolling towards the rim. Like that, mm-hmm. that willingness to just try new things, which I think will come naturally for him is, it would definitely improve his game. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking like the comfort of playing with his father might make him more comfortable with the idea of passing something he very clearly is not comfortable <laughs> with at the moment. Um, we are going to dig into his contract situation in just a second here. Yeah. And we're going to round out the show. Uh, but first I want to tell everybody about our friends over at bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can talk to, you can track all the action at bet online. You can also track all the action for basketball, hockey. They're both in the playoffs. It's very exciting. Uh, you've also got UFC horse racing, golf, tennis. There's a million sports going on right now and you can bet on them all over at betonline.ag don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs so head to the website or use your mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on that means if you put in 100 bucks you're going to get 150 bucks to play with that is a great deal over at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts all right yasmin let's uh round this out by taking a look at gary Trent's contract situation he's of course an rfa 
We know that last year after the bubble, he turned down a deal for about 14 million a year from the Blazers. Um, I, I don't know how much that should inform what we think about what's going into this offseason. I think we've talked about this with people in the past on the podcast that like, yes, he turned that down, but turning it down or, or taking that money might have been a bit of an opportunity cost thing where you know, he didn't, he didn't know how he was going to perform this season. Maybe he was going to come out and average 20 a game. And if you take 14 million, you're kind of selling your guy short if you're Gary Trent's agent. So I think it's kind of a new ball game. There's not that same sort of opportunity cost. There's not the same leverage, even though he is an RFA. I don't necessarily see there being a hot RFA offer sheet market for him necessarily, just because there's not a lot of cap space out there. And there are other guys like John Collins, Lonzo ball, who seem to be garnering far, far more attention and offer sheets just don't happen nearly as often as we want to say they do. Um, with that in mind, Yasmin, what are you sort of reading in the, in the tea leaves here for Gary Trent Jr.'s next contract? And is there a point where you become uncomfortable and think uh, maybe you just let him walk or just take the qualifying offer and play it out for one year? Yeah, um, I'll say I think that I, I think that like a four year 60 million situation will be the probably the the maximum of what he receives from the Raptors, but I, I've been pretty close with Fred Van Vliet and OG's contracts. I think that when people are saying things like, um, you know, Gary Trent's about to get paid this summer and stuff like that. Like, I think it's a little <laughs> bit of an exaggeration. He's definitely going to get a handsome amount of money, but um, I think that he's not looking at like, you know, Fred Van Vliet money or something like that. I think he's probably yeah. going to get considerably less than OG because OG has that, um, He's a defensive small forward, which is, which is a hot commodity, and he's also um, has playoff experience. And I think that you got to look at the market. And I feel like when you look at the market, uh, a score first shooting guard is probably not the hottest commodity um, in the NBA. Um, people are looking more towards, you know, floor general point guards and big men and stuff. So I feel like um, it, it, that alone will help the Raptors with bar bargaining and creating a price for him. But um mm -hmm. You know, I think that uh, they should be willing. I feel like that he's really um, enamored and he's really into the uh, culture here in Toronto. And he, he sees the growth and development and like the tangible um, uh, development of the players surrounding him. He's surrounded by players who have come through the system and ended up getting paid handsomely. So I think that um, that alone will help them with negotiations because he may have had trouble seeing his future in Portland, but with the Raptors, he could mm -hmm. probably see it pretty clearly. Yeah. And I think it probably helps in a way. I know there was lots of sort of hand wringing over what they were going to do with his starting uh, quotient, right? Because if he had started 36 games, which I believe he started exactly 36 games um, over the course of the 38. So he was two over the, the quotient that he needed to have his cap hold increased and his qualifying offer increased. I think the fact that the Raptors didn't play games with that and like toy around with it and say, well, oh, we're just going to like lowball you and we're going to hold you out and we're not going to put you back in the starting lineup. Like, I, I think in a roundabout way, having him cost them more as a cap hold is actually going to have them have him cost them less as a player on a contract, just because it's like very clear, like we're not screwing around with you. Like you're part of our future here. And it's not like, a, you know, you're trying to lowball a guy. Maybe that's just me doing a favorable read of the situation, but I think that kind of checks out. And Ultimately, I think the way Trent played down the stretch, I think the way his numbers kind of dipped down the stretch aren't going to do him any favors in getting a huge offer from the Raptors. And I think yeah, you're totally I right. 
And that OG kind of sets the market for the team where like he's very clearly a foundational piece going forward. He's one of the best defenders alive. He's making 18 million a year. And I think everyone else kind of works down from that in terms of who's signing contracts going forward here. And honestly, I'm kind of thinking Gary Trent's going to end up getting what he was offered by Portland and turned down last year. My prediction, I think officially, is he's going to get four years, 56, with a player option on the final year. The Raptors seem to be down to give those player options just to kind of lower the the annual cap hit. They seem to want to line things up to kind of all end at the same time or around the same time in a few years' time. And that's kind of where I'm reading this. I, I, I could totally see Gary Trent Jr. after turning down the exact, like the 14 million, getting that exact amount from the Raptors uh, with that player option kind of incentivize it. <laughs> the <laughs> what optics was that, of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the agent, like, I guess the agent didn't lose him money necessarily. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. He got the same, yeah. but that, what a look that would be. Um, and I yeah. feel like, yeah, and I feel like that with with Gary Trent's play as as soon as he was traded, like literally breaking records was like it was tough for Blazers fans. So having him accept the same offer would just be hard. But um, yeah. no, yeah, you, you, I think that's totally um, reasonable for him. Um, and I think that they they would probably mention that even like you're probably not going to get the same amount of OG as OG, but. Yeah. Um, he's definitely, uh, I think that they can present him with the fact that he's definitely like a part of the future of the team or a part of the sure. core moving forward, which I'm cool with like Gary Trent's awesome. Yeah. He's really cool. We haven't really talked about the general coolness that Gary Trent brings oh, yeah, to the table, yeah. but, uh, it's They've a pretty substantial that. amount of coolness. <laughs> with the loss of Serge, the cool factor was, it was really, it was missing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not unfair to say that the overall vibes of the team kind of turned around completely when Trent oh, arrived. I know they lost a million games, but like he really seemed to bring some joy and energy and like a friend for OG uh, when he came over, um, which like there's value to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you, that's a that's an interesting point that the. the aura of the team definitely changed when he arrived i feel like they took themselves a little less seriously um and decided you know let's just have some fun um while we're here yeah like this dude's over there wearing jumpsuits we can uh let ourselves breathe a little bit i think shirts and everything (laughs) yeah (laughs) i look forward to him getting a a show out of holt renfrew next year that's gonna be a delight (laughs) The, the Trenton OG fashion hour or something like that will be. Uh, oh, I love television. that. Him and OG having like a vlog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, now, now I'm ready to pay him 18 million a year and match yeah, the OG salary just to get them on, on board. Like how all the Friends characters each made a million dollars an episode. You got to pay them equally to make sure they're uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're both on, on the on the same page with their with their budding television show. Um <laughs> Yasmin, that kind of brings us to the end here of the Gary Trent Jr. talk. Uh, I, I think, you know, I was going to ask, like, is he on the team next season? I feel like that's going to happen unless oh, some crazy yeah. team comes out of nowhere with like a $20 million a year offer sheet, in which case, congratulations, Charlotte. Or whatever you know, team I'll salute him on his way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, feels like he's going to be part of the team. Feels like, honestly, it was a good thing that he kind of cooled down after that towards start to sort of, I think, temper expectations of Raptors yeah. fans a little bit because he was looking know. generational for a moment. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, this guy's just Zach Levine. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the sort of cooling of the waters will end up being a good thing in the long term, And I look forward to him, Malachi Flynn, Chris Boucher and Kem Birch 
dicing up second units all next season. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah, he can fun. become Zach Levine after he signs the dotted line. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Yasmin, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time. Do you have anything you would like to promote? No problem. Um, what can I promote? Uh, I haven't written anything in a while. I feel like the um, the Raptors um, exiting the season has like kind of zapped my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> for any off-season <laughs> writing so like i'm just enjoying the playoffs as a viewer this time um but if there's anything i can promote it's probably my website colont.com where i just kind of curate some teas that i sourced from east africa so if people want to check that out it's k-u-l-a-n-t.com um and yeah that's kind of my um preoccupation right now until um the raptors reappear <laughs> Yeah, I have uh, I have not ordered tea yet, but I have family members in my life whose birthdays and important dates are coming up, and you can uh, lovely. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so be it. ordering up some teas. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so go check it out. And uh, Yasmin, thank you for uh, taking the time. This was lovely. Uh, that is going to do it for today's episode and for this week of episodes. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Next week we'll continue this season from Hell in Review. We're going to talk about Kyle Lowry with Katie at some point. We'll get Vivek on to talk about somebody as well. Not sure who Big V wants to dig into, but we will dig into whoever Big V wants on Monday. Uh, it'll be a good week. We will also start gearing up for draft stuff. Um, you know, still a little bit away. It's hard with the draft lottery still in limbo and not really knowing where the Raptors are going to pick, but we'll continue with that. Uh, the Locked On Network is doing a weekly mock draft uh, of the lottery, and I'd made a pick there. I took Keon Johnson for the Raptors eighth. You might hear my little clip on that at some point in the podcast next week. And uh, it's going to be great. We're also, I, I don't know the exact details of it yet, but we're going to do something fun for the draft lottery where you're going to get to hang out with me and other friends, and it'll be a delight. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll do some sort of announcement and uh, finalize the plans for that in the next week or two here, but it's going to be great. And uh, enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy your weekends, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.